0: You're listening to Ace Comicals, I'm Greg, joined by my co-host Leon, let's do this! Yes, so welcome to Ace Comical, episode number ninety-nine. Um, here is here it, it's just me and Leon today. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so what sort of stuff have I been consuming over the past few weeks? Well, it will surprise nobody that because um, we're like week three of October, and you're probably sick of me saying the word Halloween now. <laughs> it's not over. Yeah, it's not over yet. It will surprise nobody. Um, the stuff that i've been into and watching i think you've probably been watching some of the same stuff haven't you because there's that bly manor thing yeah yeah that ha- the haunting of bly manor which is basically the second it's like the follow-up to uh, the haunting of hill house and they're they're kind of like doing this anthology horror thing where it's like completely different story um but still a horror story still
1: like same crew um a bunch of the same actors yeah, um, playing different roles.
0: Yeah, if you imagine them like Final Fantasy games, you get the idea.
1: Because <laughs> it, it's kind of similar to the um, Ryan Murphy series American Horror Story, which um, I think there's been like eight seasons of that now. But um, the yeah. FX show and what that does, it uses like a lot of the same actors from season to season, but like it's a complete different story each time.
0: This is better than American horror story, though. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean that yeah. that, that goes without saying. <laughs> um yeah, it's like I've been I've been like deep, deep sinking my teeth teeth deep into it. And like I-, I have to say, it is perfectly splendid. Um I've been drinking deep of the Gothic ghost story chalice, and I love like it is like a proper Gothic ghost story. Like I love how timeless it is in that I could you could put them in period costume, and the script would still fit most of the top, most of it. You know, it's <laughs> like
1: it's, a, it's an adaptation, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I believe it's based on the story, The Turn of the Screw.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> you learn something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an adaptation of that, and I think there's been a few previous movie um, adaptations of that. But yeah, this, like, um, I think it was a novella from 1898. Yeah. And well. since then, it's uh, with this show, they've, uh, like, uh, uh, updated it and, uh, like, changed it and added
0: some sort of modern context to it. Well, that just completely spoils my... Uh, <laughs> the little jaunt I was going to go on, because <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to be like... Oh, uh, well, you know, thinking about the way it's told and the characters and the setting, this could be any time period. I mean, like a piece written in the 1800s. It just so happens to be set in the late 80s. But I guess that's exactly what it is. So I don't sound clever anymore. <laughs> 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 god wish I'd have done my research before. This, but yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's yeah I, I think it's absolutely fantastic i've not watched the whole thing yet i'm like five episodes in you've seen all of it though haven't you yeah i watched uh all nine episodes back to back no
1: breaks nice we've just in a trance watching it and um that you know the netflix thing of like yeah um, just putting on the next episode have they gotten yeah. rid of the um after three episodes are you still watching cuz we didn't see that once?
0: <laughs> I I don't know cuz I've not seen that for a long time yeah. but then again I've not really properly binged anything Same. for a long time. Like with this it's been like I've been like kind of like me and Sophie have been like taking it in turns cuz Sophie's watching that chess thing. Um what's that called? Queen's Gambit? Uh yeah I wanted to watch that. Yeah that's that's really good. Um I do, Queen's Gambit or Sexy Chess? as it's it's also known isn't Um, that just default chess well i don't know is chess sexy (laughs) can chess be sexy (laughs) i think this netflix show like has tried to make chess sexy um but we'll see um yeah it's um yeah i from what i've seen of that it's actually very good so i think you'd enjoy that leon but Mm. yeah this is this is what sophie's watching She was watching the chess thing. Um, And I've been watching The Haunting of uh, Bly Manor. Um, Because Sophie doesn't like ghost stories. So (laughs) That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But, like, Um,
1: uh, like, uh, you're enjoying it so far. Um, Without, like, spoilers or anything, what about this season's working for you?
0: What about this is working for me? Um, Yeah. The Weird Dollhouse like i i i've got this thing about wanting to know more about the dollhouse and wanting to know more about the dolls and how all of that works because okay that that for me is working for me so hard like hmm. that dollhouse stuff like and the little dolls that and the little dolls corresponding to actual characters and people and such like that that's working for me um the um i quite like the set the setting works for me actually and uh, the characters in this i I think I like the cast more in this than I did in uh, Hill House. I think the the people in this, the, the characters themselves, I have more a, of an affinity to them than I did to the ones in Hill House. I'm not sure why. Um, I guess because with
1: the first season, I'll call it, um, or the first miniseries, whatever you want to call it, um, it was mostly, like, a family over, like, different time periods. and yeah. With, with Blind Manor, it's um, sort of like a, a maid family, where yeah. it's a, a group of adults, mostly, uh, interacting with this house. And I think that yeah. might, be, might make it easier to identify
0: with possibly yeah i mean i think it's just like yeah something like that maybe maybe it's the fact that these are just like the people are just the characters are just more likable people hmm. i don't know like i don't find them as um because i the, i mean like some of the people in some of the kids in the uh the, 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 the hill house series um when they grew up to be adults, they were, they weren't really the greatest people of all time, were they? (laughs) That's like, Like,
1: it is the point, but yeah, I get get what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were like, and I think, I think with this, they were, they were like, they weren't nice people. Like, but with this, I could see myself being friends with these people, (laughs) (laughs) these adults. Yeah. I mean, the kids are creepy. The kids scare the hell out of me, but
1: but... also this, this one is set in England. Yeah. And they're they're like speaking our language.
0: Well yeah, eating shepherd's pie and things, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why is it why is it always shepherd's pie? Why is that is that the only thing that they <laughs> that they know? Is that or is that the only thing that we have? Do we do I do I feel like there's more English recipes but actually there's only shepherd's pie that's a true English recipe or what? Like uh, why is it always shepherd's pie, Leon?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's cuz it's uh, just is it feels... the most alien thing. <laughs> is it? Yeah, is it I like... think if you're American it feels super English maybe.
0: Yeah. Is I can't believe nobody else has decided has nobody else in the world has ever put mashed potato on top of mince and gravy. <laughs> like I can't but, believe England's the only place that's ever done that. Well, like, the
1: thing is, they probably have, and it's called something different, and it tastes Brind, way better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I quite quite enjoyed the season. Um, I yeah. thought it was. Um, I thought it was a good. Telling of a story of, of this type, and the like twists and turns it, it takes are, I, I think they really fit the like theming of of the story, mm. and um, it differentiates itself quite a bit from the from the first from Hill House, and I think that's done more so in. This sort of scare factor, because I think yeah. this uh, Blair Manor focuses more on the creep and dread aspect um, uh, and the mythology, whereas Hill House um, did have a lot more more scares. Um, mm. But they, I, I feel like they both um, nail what they're what they're trying to do. And exactly. yeah, yeah, I really like the characters in, in season two. And I've got, I've got like criticisms, mild criticisms, which are hard to speak about without spoilers. But I think ultimately I kind of prefer the story of season or like Hill House, because in my eyes, it did more unexpected things mm. uh, for me and then I think Blind Manor is really good at telling its particular story and remaining consistent with that. Yeah. So, so like, I don't mind too much with, like, I prefer, like, atmos- atmospheric dread and a, and a building a sense of horror over, like, scares, so I'm cool with mm. that. So I, I did feel that I was blindsided quite a bit in, in season one by developments yeah. that happened, which didn't really happen to me as much in season two. And I don't know if that's compounded by the fact that I watched it all in one go <laughs> or just because maybe that's what I was expecting and yeah. Flanagan and his crew um, and his team were going for something else. But all in all, I had a really good time of that. And I recommend it. And I, I'm curious, uh, in, looking forward to you finishing it
0: and um, having yeah. a chat. I will see it through to the end. Um, the, the main thing like between this and Hill House for me, I think, is... Um, like Hill, like you were saying, like Hill House has is more... Like I was getting at, actually. And the fact that it is an adaptation of an 1800s novel, which make sense then i guess because um hill house felt very modern like a very modern ghost story what we've come to expect from ghost stories when we go to the cinema to watch horror movies and things like that it had a lot of that kind of um ambience and like theming and everything else it had yeah. that that modern core to it whereas this this is something older more gothic um more slower the slow burn yeah to get musical um this is doom metal or funeral doom and hill house is um yeah so this is funeral uh manor is funeral doom and uh hill house is probably um just just like closer to um I would say standard doom, what I call standard doom where it's like a little bit it's got more of a um it's it's not as slow, it's not as uh as trudging, it's not like pole bearers carrying a coffin down an aisle which is <laughs> which is what I get from blind Manor if that <laughs> makes sense to anybody but me,
1: yeah, this metaphor is so niche. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And only one but of yeah. them is listening to this
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one guy who listens, who shares my musical taste. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. That's how I feel about it and how I think about it. Um, other than that, like I've just been like diving into all the seasonal specials. Um, okay. So many great Halloween books this year. Like, There's this Madam Satan one shot, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Madam Satan of Sabrina fame. Uh, which I am going to attempt to recreate Madam Satan's face on a pumpkin (laughs) uh, later on this week. So I I bought myself some some pumpkin carving tools ready for some unnecessary surgery uh, that I'm going to perform on some unsuspecting orange gourds. Um, Nice. Yeah, I'm going to try and do... I've been looking at videos of people that do full-on carving, so this is either going to go very wrong or it's going to work very well, but I'm going to do try and do a full-on carving, i I decided. So we'll see how that works out. Um, uh, apart from uh, Madam Satan, do you have others planned? Um, Pumpkin-wise... There's Madame Satan, and then like I've got this this white pumpkin. I picked there's something called a ghost pumpkin that they sell at Morrison's, and it's like a pumpkin, but it's white. And I was going to try and do a skull on that, um, or do a skull out of that. Uh, I've got some. <clears throat> I've just been like floating stuff in my head, so I've not really got anything properly planned yet. One of them's going to be a normal jack o' lantern face because there always has to be, um, but. I've not worked out exactly what I'm going to do with the others yet, but I'm probably going to try uh, something cool. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this Madam Satan book. So Madam Satan is the Queen of Hell, and she's bored of it because it's demanding, and the denizens of hell. And the Lords of the Infernal Lands are whiny and annoying with their petty little feuds, and it's a fun demonic romp. The art's pretty great, and it's gorgeously dark and grotesque, and design... It's a satanic feast for the eyes and it's great for an October evening. So I'd recommend picking that up for a seasonal special. It's cool. Uh, the other thing I've been doing is I've been trudging my way through um, Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Um, this is the classic one from the 70s, which are awesome as heck, alongside the new number one, which recently hit the shelves, which wasn't so impressed by it. It's okay, but it feels like there was something missing from it. I can s- so much potential in it, in the story, in the way that they've, like the characters that they've put in there, like what they've chosen to do with it and everything else has all the potential in the world. But I just feel like it's missing something. Hmm. I don't know what it's missing, but it's missing something like it doesn't have, um, I just feel a little bit two dimensional. Maybe. I don't know. There's just something missing from it. There's not, not there that it needs that would like bump source. it up. Yeah. The special sauce. Yeah. It it's like the, the special ingredient. Yeah. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's definitely something missing from it. Maybe I'll be in a better position to talk about what's missing from it in a couple episodes time or something. I don't know. But in a future episode, I'm definitely going to go into a rant slash tirade about the classic wealth by night books, (laughs) And I'll probably talk about this other one as well. Um, I did check out Rorschach number one. I don't know if you did.
1: (laughs) No, I have not. I was waiting on what what you had to say about it.
0: Uh, Checked it out nothing i want to write home about really to be honest it's a great setup and it's a cool detective story and in true tom king fashion he does knock it out of the park but i just don't think we need another story in the watchman universe and <laughs> i i feel like what he's done like the effort that he's put into this and like what he's set up here with this like detective story and what he's doing like i, I feel like it could have been better served by not being about Watchmen. Like, he could have done this, and he wouldn't have had to put it in the Watchmen universe, and he wouldn't have had to feature Rorschach, and it would have been equally, an equally great story.
1: Yeah, it's, it's when you get things like these, it really does feel like uh, an exec was like, we need a Watchmen story, a Rorschach story, and then they gave it to King, who maybe had an had a interesting tale to tell. And yeah. was able to like transplant it on that, mm. whereas like that feels like pure marketing. Whereas yeah. had it just been like here is uh, Tom King's mini series about uh, a very similar type of character, it could have been more fruitful. But I guess you'll see what we'll see what happens. Like yeah. this this time in six months, people might be hailing mm. it as a modern classic.
0: Yeah, uh, I just, (laughs) I feel like it could have been more had it not had the Watchmen attached to it. Yeah. And it could have been something super original. I mean, it is super original in in like, it's it's a detective story, like a full on coming across like a pure detective tale so far after issue one. But I just, I think it's been tainted by the fact that it's got the Watchmen stuff attached to it. And I think it could have done better by not having that attached to it. And if they'd just let, if, if Tom King had taken this story and just, just gone wild with it and not included, you know, like just, just written what he wanted to write and done what he wanted to do without including the Watchmen universe. I think it could have been so much better. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, that kind of wraps me up for everything I've been doing over the past two weeks. I don't know if you've got anything else to add. Yeah, I
1: add just a little bit. that it's uh less comic based, but I um been watching a bunch of movies over the last two weeks. Uh a lot of rewatches, but I also uh watched a few things I hadn't checked out before. Like um and to keep in the spooky spirit, one of them, which is thematically relevant, is Doctor Sleep. Which is okay. the um the Mike Flanagan, again, of Hill House fame and uh, Bly of fame, he adapted the K- King sequel to The Shining, and the book of Doctor Sleep is a sequel to the book. And famously, King was never a fan of Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining. But what the film has uh, manages to do is be both a sequel to the book, but also a sequel to the film, so it's, it's juggling a lot, and um, I think at the end of it, I, I enjoyed the movie, but it, it's one of those movies where it didn't get reviewed well at the time, and didn't do particularly well, and it was quite long, it was like, I think it was over two and a half hours, uh, the theatrical, and the version I watched is the director's cut, which is three hours on the dock, which is quite long for a horror movie. Like, almost feels like it would have been better served as a sort of miniseries TV show. Mm. But yeah, it's one of those movies, so it, it didn't get a lot of lot of love when it came out, but it's, it's a film that a lot of people last year were saying, oh, it was slept on, and um, it's like a gem that people didn't pay attention to and I was hoping that it would be that for me but I think I fall somewhere in the middle between that because I don't like I I enjoyed my time with it but I, I don't think it's a secret misunderstood classic but it's um it, it's well acted and um it's a it's a cool story there's a lot of things in it too like really uh And especially because it sounds like such an awful idea, regardless of it being the original author, but Hmm. a sequel to The Shining, why? But I think the themes and the topics that it tackles and how it uses its uh, new and old characters is done very effectively. And a lot of my gripes are to do with things where I think it either feels like too much, like they condense too much, and also, even though I've never read the book, I can feel it. Like, I can feel that the movie is having to skim over things that would be quite interesting to delve into in terms of uh, exploring, like, certain characters. And I think that the movie does... Uh, does suffer because of that. But ultimately, I would recommend it. It's different from what you're probably uh, probably imagining, and if uh, <laughs> you've got three hours to spare, uh, <laughs> it is uh, it is a good watch because it doesn't feel overly long. It it just feels like um, like the parlance of our youth, where you had say uh, a bunch of OVAs of an anime. And then you have yeah. the actual series, and it feels yeah. like um, they've condensed the series into like uh, an OVA.
0: Okay. Yeah, right.
1: whereas like maybe it would have been nicer if they had uh, thrown it up on Netflix or something, mm. and made it like uh, maybe f- f- three to four episodes or something like that. Or maybe six. But um, okay. yeah, yeah, it, it's it's way better than, it is better than I, uh, I thought it would be from my initial feelings, but it's not the, um, it's, it's not the overlooked genius that some people were alluding to, but, um, it's not what you
0: thought it was going to be.
1: Uh, not after people's reactions to it, but, yeah. um,
0: yeah,
1: I, it's, a, it's a shame that Ralph was not here because I, I think he had more warm feelings on it than me. Cause he, I think he saw it a while back. Um, and he was pretty jazzed about it. So it's a shame he's not here so we he could discuss it. But, um, Yeah, I would definitely, I'd recommend it, Greg, I would would check Mm. it out.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check that out and take a look at that. Um, Uh, Did you ever watch
1: uh, Colour Out of Space?
0: Yes, I did. What did you think of it? I thought it was really good. Um, I actually talked about it on a previous cast a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got like (laughs) vague memories of it, but I can't remember. yeah.
0: No, yeah, no, I watched it, and it was really good. I was really into it. Um, But then, again, like, I liked Mandy as well, so... Hmm. Like, this... These films are actually really good, like Mandy and Colour Out of Space. Like, I like both of them. They're by different directors, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know why. I think I'm lumping them together just for the Nick Cage connection.
1: It's kind of like Nick Cage, like, decent Nick Cage roles Mm. in, in... Recent years is what mm. what, what probably pairs them together. Yeah, um, I think with mean, Color Out of Space, I I feel like that's a movie that has a lot of like really good promising ideas, but I think the execution of some of it isn't as 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 neat as it could be, especially mm. for the the type of of story that it that it's telling. But I think there's there's a lot to like in there. If even if for personally for me, there's not a lot there's not a lot that I left loving about it. I, I yeah. did I did like how it handled uh, a bunch of things.
0: Mm. I think it, I think it had a lot a lot going for it that film. Um, and I I was when I watched it, it, I did actually think it was a real trip. I was like really into it. Um, and I need to, I, I want to watch it again. I wanted to watch it a second time so I could have have a proper opinion about it and talk about it properly, but I've not watched it a second time yet. So, um, but it has a great look to it. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Like the aesthetic of it is like, it's dripping with style and like the weird purple glow they use and everything. And like the attic scene and
1: the, yeah <laughs> yeah the, the escalation of stuff is yeah. really cool exactly yeah
0: all of it is is bang on and i actually think it's a really solid adaptation of the original story
1: yeah um, i was wondering that because i've never yeah. i've
0: never read it yeah it's a, i think it's a pretty solid adaptation of the original story so it's pretty good um but yeah i <clears throat> fully recommend that and um I will have to watch it a second time so I can talk about it again properly. Because, like, I'm trying to like dredge back, dredge my mind to go back to it because it's been a few months since I watched it. Um, to try and like get some proper opinions out. Being yeah, as you just yeah. brought it up, but I can't do that right now. So, uh, yeah, we are gonna have to watch that again, though. Yeah. Um, and just just
1: one final thing before we move yeah. on to the actual yep. thing. I, I, uh, it's not horror based, but uh, it does have death in it, and mm-hmm. that is, uh, I, I rewatched. The first two Bill and Ted movies, and then I watched Bill and Ted Face the Music. I've not seen um, that yet. <laughs> uh, I, I think you would you would dig it. Of I, I, I think would. <laughs> you would dig it. it. It's it's one of those like late comer sequels that mm. kind of feels like it does exist in a way to wrap things up and also comment on, say, the legacy of the thing, but also mm. how the world's changed since the first two yeah. movies come out. And for that, I think it's effective. There's, there's a, a bunch of things in it which don't fully work for me. And also, I wish, like, aesthetic-wise, kind of wish they'd done what, like, Blade Runner 2049 does, which is um, it carries on what the future looked like in the original Blade Runner movie. Mm. And in this movie, they do sort of jazz it up so it does look a bit like apple-ish. Like, there's a lot of white and chrome stuff in the in like in the the type stuff and it's like eh, I, I i wish i stuck with that cool grungy 80s music video look from the first two movies especially yeah. having rewatched those movies recently and those are those are two movies um, especially excellent adventure that when i was young i've watched that movie dozens of times and then yeah. i and, and then before recently i hadn't watched it since i was um, a kid maybe teenager oldest so it was really nice revisiting those movies, and there's a lot to love uh, in those movies. And I, I think my personal favourite is Bogus Journey of the trilogy. Yeah, Mastodon bonus... on
0: around the... Oh, sorry.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, because <laughs> Bogus Journey is, like, fucked up in, in quite an interesting way.
0: Mastodon are on the soundtrack for the third one. Hmm. Yeah, um... no, the
1: soundtrack's pretty good.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Because I checked out the soundtrack because it's all there on Spotify. And uh, Mastodon did a single for it. Uh, I think the track's called Rufus Lives. Um, but yeah, I'm... Uh, me being the big Mastodon fan, I am. <laughs> so, yeah. I yeah, check out when you movie. can. I will, yes. Um, I've been meaning to get round to it because it's on Prime, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I do need to get around to checking that out so uh shall we move on to the comics leon let's, let's do it let's do it so i'm gonna open this up with a book that we were sent um by jude Montague, um who is the writer and artist here now this is a book called love on the isle of dogs um and we tend to talk a lot about comics and sequential art that follow a traditional standard as it were um, follow the rules to an extent. Even when we get to the more experimental end of the spectrum, we rarely dip into the super abstract side of things. Um, and the comics and pieces of sequential art that don't necessarily follow the rules, like so. So we we tend to look a lot at the comics that obey convention, don't we?
1: Yeah, there's a certain yeah. uh, formalism to to yeah.
0: a lot of them. This uh, doesn't obey convention in that respect. Um, It is still sequential art. It's a stunning piece of sequential art, at once a graphic memoir and a prose story. Um, This book encapsulates both, and um, it's a book that meditates on love and psychosis and the effect of mental illness can have on the people close to the sufferer. And the way um, through the suffering of her husband because this is this is like auto semi-auto this is autobiographical so through the suffering of her then husband um she was able to um learn about love and and learn about like the way the way that she interacted with her husband during his suffering and everything else and all the terrible things that happened as part of this story she was able to learn about love and learn about herself a little bit as well maybe um, and there's an awful lot to unpack here, actually. It's just, there's there's a lot of stuff in here that resonates with me, actually, which I'll come to in a moment. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to give you the, um, the blurb. So, so, um, the blurb here, what we've got here is, uh, Love on the Isle of Dogs is both a graphic novel and a literary novel. First, it's told in pictures and then in text, two different versions of the story, which shed light on the others. Um, It's a true story set against the backdrop of the Isle of Dogs in the 1990s, while construction of the Docklands led by Canary Wharf was going up. Um, And it's, yeah, it's it's about her marriage and about her love to this man and, and how that broke down over time and, and his psychosis and everything else and how that had an effect on everything and how his mental illness had an effect on this, his surroundings on the world around him and how that affected her and how, um, how she was able to, to, to come out of this basically. Um, now the, the, Things that this kind of like touches on because we're going, it it, it, it touches on kind of like, for me, it it kind of brings back memories of conversations that my mother would have on the phone to my grandmother and things and uh, other people, um, care, um, care organisations, whatever, in reference to my aunt. And her mental health, because she suffered from um she suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. she's still on um heavy medication and things like that, and she has been for years like mm. decades, a couple of decades now and um it's the way like because I remember like because I was a child when all of this was happening, but I remember like snippets of conversations that my mum would have about how um that they would they were stripping back um the the funding of mental health in the uk at this time and um, the lack of support for mentally ill people in the uk because they were closing all these services and changing the funding and everything else and and this is going back to for me this would have been like the mid to late 90s late 90s kind of time um and but this is obviously this book is set Closer to the beginning of the 90s in the early nineties, but obviously this thing, this was going on for the entire decade. So, we're talking about like the deinstitutionalization of care, and and the deinstitutionalization and care in the community, and everything that came out of that. So, um, kind of like the lack of uh, funding for mental health services, um, and care in the community, ultimately being a euphemism for. Um, fend for yourself if you think about it that way. Like, unless you had family or people that cared for you, there was no way you were going to get out of this and you would be, you were kind of like in and out of hospital because hospital was seen as a short term thing and the care that they would provide, um, would be enough but that, to get you back out. But then you would, you would, you could, you could relapse and you could end up back in mm. because it's not, um there's no support there. Once you're outside of the hospital, it's just, you are kind of like the, the, and the support that is there is very sparse. Um, and you kind of have to navigate all of that yourself.
1: Yeah. It sounds very similar to the dire situations to do with like criminal justice where like, um, there, there's no path for people once they're out of prison to, uh, gain any guidance or, or, or help yeah. once they leave so they end up um, back in, in in no time Yeah, uh, and it sounds like the healthcare version of that where yeah. there being no support structure just so, uh, leaves people
0: yeah I mean and, and what you end up with you end up with people that you know have mental illness that although you care deeply about them and, and you, you you care, you know, you, you, you care deeply and, and you want to support them and help them, their mental illness can make them dangerous sometimes. Um, and, and it can, they can be dangerous for you to be around if they, they end up having a, an episode and they get violent or something like that. Um, it's, it's dangerous for you to be there and it, it's, ultimately not a great situation because you're having people that aren't um this the the people that aren't trained to deal with this kind of stuff people that aren't um that they have no uh, they have a very limited understanding of 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 what this person's like psycho this person's particular issue is and they are with that person and they can't do a lot to help and it kind of it kind of puts it's not a good place for people to be in. It's kind of like it puts vulnerable people in dangerous situations. It, 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 these mentally ill people can be dangerous to themselves. Um, and this is this is what kind of like this is what stood out to me because it, it made me think of my aunt's story, you know.
1: Hmm. And that's
0: what this book kind of brought up in my mind, front and center. Um so yeah, like my mum and my aunt, and the way my mum had to kind of like navigate all of this for my aunt to basically like everything that my aunt has had like where she's been staying in a uh, particular like um accommodation schemes and things like that my mum's had to kind of like had a little like a, a mini battle to get her there kind of thing yeah um and it's it's all of that kind of stuff so um yeah it's like how no one's got any training around these issues and no one how do you look after and manage someone with such severe mental illness you know um and and like how it must have been for them, the snippets of conversation that I heard and everything else, the letters I saw my mum type up, the phone conversations, trying to get my aunt to a safe place to get her the care she needed. Um, And it's like, it's how I guess people do fall through the net as well. Um, It made me think about that as well. But I mean, this is a, it's a beautiful story um, in this book and um, it has a, it's, it's sad um it it is as um as the author herself puts it a (laughs) tearjerker um on her website but it is a it's a beautiful story and it's told in a beautiful abstract ink wash that kind of like flows over the page and these pages are for me more of a representation of feeling than form so yeah the ink thickens and gathers like storm clouds um, in pages where there is more anger or fear maybe. Um, and, uh, there's light usage and fewer strokes with, uh, more white space when things are calmer, a happier, maybe, um, form becomes sharper and more erratic when things take a turn or things escalate, um, like where there's ferocity and aggression, uh, and and then things are softer and more composed when things are calmer and safer. and it in this way it's almost for me like it's like looking at a musical composition. Hmm. So when you look at waveforms, how it gets more erratic when the music gets louder or, or swells to a crescendo or whatever. Um, and the the text portion that follows this is is very poetic, and it kind of like lends um so you can you can read the art, but then the text lends the um, it, it lends to the art in that it fills in the spaces between the art and it they work together in tandem to kind of like f- hold each other up kind of thing um, and the text gives you a vessel in which you can collect the feelings in, in the art that precedes it like you can bottle this in the text afterwards so you can you have this kind of like um this wash of feelings and 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 like different intense moments across these these art pages and then afterwards you you get um like like these are like liquid and then afterwards you get the bottle which is formed by the poem the text portion that you can collect it all in this poetic prose that comes towards the end of the book which is really beautiful and um yeah I, I just think I think it's a really beautiful story and it's something that um needs to be told and people should read because it's um it's an important story I think in some ways as well because hmm. of because of what it illustrates um, as much as it is um jude Cowan's kind of like personal story and personal story of how you know her marriage fell uh, her marriage ultimately fell apart in the 90s in uh, it, with the backdrop of this this kind of like the building work that was going on in the Isle of Dogs and everything else and and how the the relationship to all of that and how all of that came around it it's um an important story that kind of chronicles um what it's like to have someone close to you have suffering from such severe mental health issues and and what that must feel like and what that must be like and and the situations that that puts you in and you know like the the often really awful situations that that puts you in and the really dangerous situations that that can put you in in being left to to deal with that and and for that person to, to be to be you know to go home and then and then you're having that person as much as you love that person and as much as you you want to care for that person. And as much as you want to help that person, how difficult that must be.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's something I would recommend. Definitely. Yeah. It sounds really (laughs) Uh, good. It is. It's very good. Very, very good. Yeah. It's, it's great. And, um, it's, it's well worth your time. So that is, um, this, this, the whole thing is by Jude Cowan Montague. um, and uh, that is uh, is on sale now. Uh, you can find that now, so uh, I would check that out because it is well worth your time. That is love on the Isle of Dogs. Um, Leon, you've got something to talk about. I do.
1: So I um, I was interested in uh, sort of shorter run books that were like semi recent because I feel like. Especially this year compared to other years. A lot of stuff has been slipping by the radar. Uh, And there was like a small amount of things which seemed to keep going during all the different lockdowns. And comics managed to be, like music, one of the ones that continued to a degree. Um, And once the the shops uh, were unable to open, then you had that pause. So there's a lot of stuff which started coming out during the summer that that could pass me by. So I wanted to to check some out and and, and see what was out there. So I came across one um, story. And this is an image comic called Bliss. And I read the first issue. And... uh, this, the story is done by uh, Sean Lewis, and the art is done by Caitlin Yarsky. And the like high level version of what this story is about is uh, like we, we start with um, a guy who is defending his father. Uh, For an unknown crime. And the way that the... Judicial people... But it it kind of... Almost reads like... A a great chamber. Or some sort of... um, Like circus court. Or something. Like There's so many people there. But um, this guy is... Sort of defending... His father's honour. And uh, the prosecutor or judge or whatever is um making it sound like what his father did is worse than like serial killers and all types of stuff and we're left wondering what happened and what we find uh, during the course of this first issue is that there's a connection between the protagonist's father and this drug called bliss that in the current timeline uh, has ravaged the city uh, that they are uh, located in. I believe it's called Feral City. And Family. the way... Yeah, yeah. And the, the way uh, Bliss works is that it wipes away memories um, and... It's basically, like, sort of devastating the city. And on Image's own site, I think they they refer to it as Breaking Bad meets Sandman uh, in urban fantasy, and yeah, that's not far off the mark, because there's not really much Breaking Bad in, in issue one, but it does definitely feel like it's going in that way, because Uh, through the memories, or the flashbacks, uh, the protagonist's parents were, that they were kicked out by the uh, protagonist's mother's father, because they got pregnant, and they got kicked out of the house, Um, (laughs) the uh, father-in-law even shot (laughs) um, the dad in the shoulder, and they basically had to Go to the feral city and make make it on their own. Uh, and they ha- uh, they obviously had a kid, but then the kid gets really really sick and is in hospital. So the parents need money and they need a way to try and feed their kid, but also get their kid uh, healed up. And obviously healthcare seems really bad there. And I th- what we get in the first issue is the different lengths that the father is. Willing to do to just help his kid. So, starting off, he always tries to get his kid, like visiting his kid in hospital, he always tries to get him an orange, just an orange. But even that is a hassle, and he ends up having to get beaten up just to get his hands on an orange. So, like, things are super dire. But then what happens is, I don't want to go too much detail, especially because it's only meant to be an eight issue run, but basically, these. People or beings offer him a lifeline um, when he stumbles down the wrong alley one night, and they basically give him the option to push push some bliss out, get some people on the bliss, and they'll give him they'll give him cash to look after his family, and they give him a big like nice upfront stack stack of cash that he's able to. Get his kid the best healthcare, and um, that it all, it all seems like it, it's working. It's like he's just he's just dealing, de- peddling the drugs just to just to uh, help everyone, but um, just to help his family. he's Just trying to make his way. Um, but we see sort of snippets and allusions to how this is all going to go downhill, and. Uh, his dad's legacy, but also, uh, his are going to be, uh, are going to be fraught, and, uh, it's not going to be an easy time, and, um, yeah, this, this is a book where I think it really gets to what it's trying to do at the beginning really quickly, without properly giving you uh like without like it keeps the mystery intact while also sort of pu- like pushing t- you down the road and there's a lot of uh not cultural but kind of um just shortcuts because you've seen similar elements of this story before but then this takes a bit more of a fantasy take uh, in a while and uh, or even magical realist take but um yeah, it's, I, I had, I had um, a good time reading this. I th- think that the, the look of, of the book is nice and clean and they, uh, there's a lot of cool panel structures, especially when the protagonist's father um, meets these uh, beings, I'll say, and, and makes this deal with the devil. There's a lot of cool use of... Just different types of panel structure and uh, like symmetry in, in a nice way. And um, the way the feral city is composed, it, it it feels like this like metropolis where a big a big percentage of people under the line are just being forgotten. Like there's a shot which shows like a intersection um, that is going up a hill and like, there are apartments, stacked on apartments, stacked on apartments, like, different build types. It just feels like there are tens of millions of people in this city, and so many people being, like, forgotten, or, like, washed away. And, um, yeah, it, it does have such a, you can feel, like, this overbearing, almost uh, hopeless sense uh with this this young couple just trying to just trying to survive and trying to look after their their sick kid and you can understand the desperation that gets the uh the character's father into uh this into the position that leads to the (laughs) this big uh framing device of the um the court but I wonder if it's, what well, we don't know at the moment, I wonder if it's some sort of um, if either it's the this world's version of like a people's court, which it looks like in, in some way, or if it's a bit more fantastical and theatrical and they deal with things in a different way but um, it does tease bits about the future and um, I think that the story is quite solid and it it does seem quite faustian in ways and that's that's always quite enjoyable but yeah i, l- I like the look of the book I like the the design of the characters and i like the composition of uh, a lot of the a lot of the pages there's um just a, a nice look to it I, I i always love a thing where i have to uh as i'm as i'm reading i'm like uh, does it follow this way, or are they are they following this way? And it, it's I know I think some people might dislike that, but I, I always like when panel structure and um and the like the use of like speech bubbles are done in a way that is non-standard and is not just a gimmick, but done to elevate the the story that's being to- told in that. So, so far, so good for me for issue one. And this being like a one of eight, I think four to five issues are out so far. Uh, I think the fourth issue comes out at the end of the month. But uh, yeah, because it's quite short, I'm going to sort of catch up with this one and see where it goes. Because it does, the thing that enticed me to it is that I saw the cover of issue four, like a preview for it. Mm. And I was like, what's this about? like because issue one the cover like it's of the dad and he kind of looks like lin-manuel miranda of hamilton fame um but yeah uh each of the covers are are very different and it was it was the the four which has like a a person on there who sort of looks like they're sort of floating in a haze in a way and and i thought like what is this about is it like the the typeface looks kind of magic-y so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think it's I think it's worth checking out um, if you want something a bit different, and if you want um, something that's going to be like a nice contained story that's going to have a, a beginning, middle, and end.
0: Nice. Um, there's another one uh, that you've just reminded me of actually when you were talking about this. This whole idea of drugs playing with memories. Um, mm this is a slightly different formula because what this is drugs made from people's bones that lets you experience other people's memories or, or lets you experience the lives of these dead people. Mm. So it lets you step into their skin for the duration of the trip. Um, Uh. It's a cocaine style drug called ash. And the book I'm talking about is a book called bone parish, which is Oh yes, I I, I do remember.
1: Yeah. uh, You speaking about this. Yeah. Many moons ago.
0: Oh, yeah, ages ago, but... When,
1: <laughs> um, when we were in, like, the 20s or something back then. A
0: good, a good two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you, should, um, you should check that one out as well, Leon, if you get round to it. Um, yeah, I, I think I've got a yeah. couple
1: of those issues digitally. Yeah, um, it's it ended up, worth your time. Yeah, it, it ended up, and this is something that we've lamented before on this cast, sometimes with reading, like, new issues of stuff, uh, sometimes you'll get, like three to four issues in and then because you're reading other stuff you sort of fall behind and more issues come out and you're like oh I really should get back onto X and there's a lot of comics from our first uh, like first year or first mm. two years that um, I, would, I want to revisit because I, I, would, I didn't finish them so that might be a, a mini project
0: of mine, Close the Loops yeah um i i feel that um you would enjoy bone parish um because it has a lot of like the similar thing going on with the the drugs and like weird drugs doing weird things to people <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's worth your time bone parish is a great one um but yeah i mean that uh, bliss sounds good it's 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 one of those things where it's like i've got you you seem to be like a pro at picking the things that are on my list that i haven't got round to yet <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think it's just a thing where, yeah, uh, your both your pull list and your mental pull list that you don't talk about. I think I've got like a psychic link into there, and I'm just good yeah. at picking comics that you'd like.
0: I mean, when I do the pull list on these episodes, I don't put everything on here that I'm going to buy anyway. Yeah, 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 like because
1: I'm, I'm still reading your mind. Yeah, <laughs> but I think just at this point of doing this podcast for a while, and obviously have been yeah. friends for much longer. I think there is just a thing because, like, um, like you seem to like. Usually, wait, if if you say, "Oh, I think you'll like this one, Leon," I usually fall in love with it. So I think we we just we just got that wavelength.
0: We're on that level, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> We're on that level where we can like fully recommend stuff perfectly because we know, and like, that's yeah. I mean, like you, I mean, like I'm I'm sure like other people get a good idea of my taste from listening to me talk on here as well, and, and vice versa. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, are we moving on to the last one on the list then, which yeah, is a preview? Yeah, I mean, like, so we got sent a full-on OGN from <laughs> from Image Comics, um, which kind of, like, took me by surprise because I was like, whoa, okay. So we got a preview copy of Blue and Green, which is an OGN published by Image Comics. That's OGN, original graphic novel. Um, now, this is the... Um, Kind of like creation of a Ramvi on writing duties. We've got um, Anand uh, Radhakrishnan uh, is the artist, um, Aditya Bidakar on letters, um, John J. Pearson on colors, and uh, we've got design by Tom Muller. And this is published by Image Comics. Now, um,
1: and this is a this good pub- squad. This is like. Oh.
0: Yeah, this is like a team this book is like and you can tell like this book is dripping with cool um, So we were graciously treated to this review copy, which is perfect for this season as well So um, this is going to be the kind of thing you want to be reading around now and it comes out on October 28th um, So that's going to be tomorrow because you'll be listening to this today, which will be the 27th uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I suggest you get to your comic store and pick it up, uh, tomorrow, uh, because, um, it's, it's, um, it's a doozy and it's like a hundred percent like you need this cause this is great. So, um, I'm going to just say what Ram V says in the email that he sent, um, because he, he like the the email that he sent out to his mailing list which had this PDF attached so uh, we set out to make something that was unique in its aesthetic and attempted to capture a jazz tune in its visuals while telling an affected an affecting story about obsession ambition elation and heartbreak I hope you all enjoy it and I I feel like this creative team have managed to nail all of those things um and there's there's more included in that as well so. I give you the blurb from the image site for this one. The dark and haunting port. So this is blue and green, the, which is the dark and haunting portrayal of a young musician's pursuit of creative genius, the monstrous nature, which threatens to consume him as it did his predecessor, half a century ago. This is from creators Ram V of graffiti's wall and these savage shores and Anand RK of graffiti's wall. And, uh, blue and green is an exploration of ambitions expectations and the horrific depths of their spiraling pursuit um which i think sums it up quite nicely what do you think
1: yeah i think that uh it's the good entry point um of knowledge going into this
0: book exactly um so straight up this book is named after a famous miles davis jazz composition and uh if you've ever heard Blue and Green, have you ever listened to it? I have, but I, I, I definitely have, but don't ask me to sing it. No, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to <laughs> <home> it. <laughs> but I, I think that this book has sort of like captured the mood of Blue and Green as a musical piece, actually quite well. Um, it actually feels like the music to me in places, which I think is wonderful. Um, like you can hear... The, the jazz musicianship coming off the page when you when you read it. Um, and it's always truly special when comics and sequential art manage to strike such a balance and tap into something like this. So when comics and music kind of synergize on that level, um, there's something I'm really into. Like uh, I've talked about this before with the Bowie book. Uh, when I talked about the, um, the All Red Bowie book, um, which I can't remember the full title of right now, which, uh, which is a real shame, especially on me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, it, it like where music and art synergize like that. I'm, mm. I'm a big fan of that kind of mood. Um, and like the balance that this struck and I, I was vibing with that hard. So I was, I was into this, I was into this, this kind of like this, I was in this sea of jazz musicianship and like, you know, I was sitting there. I could just, like, cigarette smoke and, like, saxophone, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, there's, like, a haze.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and the art actually is that haze. It's great. Um, so the book, like, kind of brings to mind a book we've discussed previously that has similar themes as well, um, a music-centric horror story, Underwinter, um, which kind of, to an extent, also deals with obsession and compulsion. Um, I will not... Talk too much about underwinter now because we've already spoken about it on a previous cast you should go back and check that out um also go check out underwinter because it's fantastic um so yeah for me this book is explores the endless search for perfection and completion as an artist which is applicable to any artistic endeavor in any discipline i feel am i right yeah um i think you can apply this particular brand of obsession and like the need to be better and the compulsion to be better, like this obsessive compulsiveness to carry on playing, to keep doing it. Like draw till your fingers bleed, or play till your fingers bleed, or you know, sing till your throat hurts. Cause you've got to get better. Can't it's like it's that kind of like that drive and that um that push. Um there was a film that I never actually got to catch, but I always saw I've seen like trailers for it and things like that. It's the one with the guy who is um Whiplash? <laughs> That's it. Whiplash, yes. How did you know I was thinking of whiplash? <laughs>
1: Oh, because I was thinking, it was a comparison I was going to use, and then when you started talking, I was like, he's definitely talking about Whiplash, and I was going to wait until you'd said one of the actors, and I thought, no, no, I'm going to jump in now."
0: Yeah, now, you've seen Whiplash, (laughs) and I haven't, so I'll let you talk about that bit. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, like, what what were your kind of, like, thoughts about this? Well,
1: I think that, as well as to do with, as well as, like, the big focus on, say... Obsession. There's there's, uh, there's quite quite a thing to do with like a level of unrequitedness, uh, and a level of like regret and like how quickly time passes, and a lot to do with feelings and the unsaid. Because um, with uh, Eric, the the lead, is it is yeah, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Eric, the lead, um, like, the book starts, and I'm not going to go too hard into plot details, but the book starts with him uh, coming home uh, for a funeral, and as he spends time in, in, like, the old house that he he grew up with and seemingly escaped, um, quote-unquote, there's a lot of, like, ghosts there, and uh, I mean that in the, sort of, memory sense, and, like, like, trauma sense, but there's also, because he's, like, he was this gifted musician, and um, he's now currently, like, a, a, a teacher. And, like, a lot of the beginning of the book focuses on him trying to, like, deal with everything, and there's... Like a wave of numbness over him, to do with like the events um, that that have caused him to come home, but also this this feeling of uh, sort of walking through dead memories and um, this hollowness to do with what the like uh, expectations were, or like at least hopes and dreams, and what what the the, his, his reality is and I think it, it's really, the book is really good um, in those parts where we spend time with this guy like there's a lot in with this character that I can uh, empathise with and uh, despite the fact that I am uh, no, <laughs> no musical uh, being really um, there's a lot of and I think this is the thing where the, the writing and the art come together so well. Because, uh, like, a lot of the art does have this sort of dreamlike haze over it, almost like uh, half-forgotten memories. Um, but, but it, it, like, the way the line work is done um, and complemented with the colour, there's so much detail, especially with, like, faces or like um, like rooms, um, but then at the same time, there can be like a flurry of, of lines and color, and the image you're getting is almost abstract in some ways, especially for people in the panel who aren't the focus of the panel. And yeah, it does have this sort of like underwater feeling, you know, like, when your ears pop after going on an airplane and you're not quite in yeah. life yet. Um, and it, it does it, it does have that. And as we go through the book, uh, other elements become clearer as we go through. And um, the sort of disembodied voices um, end up becoming like
0: embodied in, in, in a way that I Do you- uh, quite enjoy as you go through the book, you actually get to see memories form. Mm. So you get what is at the beginning, he considers a complete memory. And then as you go through the book, that memory actually becomes more complete and begins to form as you go through the book, which is a cool, a cool thing to do. Like in each chapter, a different bit is added to that memory. Um, and that is like a cool kind of like, a cool story device I thought actually in a a nice way to pass out information um which I thought I thought that was like quite interesting how that works but yeah I mean like so it's also a meditation on how pain and trauma can be channeled into art and like the white whale that is perfection constantly just out of reach like never good enough always just below the bar and the bar's ever moving um it's akin to um it's it's, well it's, it's a madness that lies within and within that the, the way that it manifests um like like some kind of like uh, we'll say demonic muse that pushes you um and forces you to make the worst choices it's like it's like an intrusive thought made flesh that pushes you towards your compulsion forces you to feed it and kind of like steers you into the worst choices in service of your art and kind of like compels you to continue to the detriment of your very body and soul. Almost it's like a drug. It's like, um, it'd be like being a drug addict almost, I assume. Yeah. That
1: that, that's the element that, um, look that you alluded to before. Yeah. Whiplash where that movie, which I highly, highly recommend, like highly recommend if it's on Netflix, just watch it tonight or tomorrow night. But like, um, That movie is about a high level of toxic perfection chasing and the almost Faustian deal or connection uh, between student and teacher. And basically, the only goal is to be great. The only goal is perfection and nothing else in this character's life matters, so they they're so hyper focused on this particular thing the rest of their life sort of falls away and their body and mind and soul are put through the ringer but all to try and gain this this perfection.
0: But it's also it's like it's it's steering you into the trauma because the trauma feeds the art.
1: Well, yeah, this is where like, yeah the, the book is going for something different and, and um, yeah focusing on a, on a on a different element of 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 that type of drive because yeah. um, this story is a lot more focused on legacy and how the the past affects the present and how you sort of carry a lot of the past with you, even if you don't fully comprehend it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um. It is like, I feel this is it's like a really excellent psychological horror tale. And it is a thriller that it just, it goes down this dark spiral and it does it with like such beautiful, delicate haunting artwork, like the painted quality, these like beautiful fine lines and macabre details. Like, the ethereal quality of it, like kind of blurs as well. What is real and and what appears to be memory or delusion. Yeah. So I know you said the whole thing feels like you're underwater, like it's a memory, but it actually, it feels disconnected, but also it blurs what is genuine memory and what is, and what, you know, like what is memory, what is delusion and what is actually happening. And you, you end up in this, this kind of like this tank as it were, (laughs) um kind of like swimming in this and not able to differentiate between what's real and what's not mm. almost like the protagonist
1: but it, it it's it's never really dour and depressing no it's um it it's always for lack of a better word uh, like colourful in more ways than one obviously it's <laughs> like bookwise uh, yeah. like it, it, it's gorgeous and it has all the stuff that yeah. listeners know that I love of an image book. Um, but also um, this, the different shades to the story and the different emotions and even this, the capturing of certain certain minutiae, which can sometimes be hard to, to ascribe like a term or meaning to, like mm. uh, like one one panel. Which happens earlier on. Um, the uh, Eric is talk. He's at a, a um, sort of bar venue, plays music, and uh, like a, a band has been auditioning, and he's speaking to the person who auditions the bands. And then after the audition, they're all sitting around and having a conversation, and uh, he says something that I've experienced so many times, so perfectly but he says. Uh, I want to reach out and touch the glow of this conversation, if only for a moment, but I'm a stranger to it. And it's like, I've definitely been in that situation where the thing's yeah. happening around you and you, you, you want to sort of drink it in and, 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 and be part of that energy but you're just a spectator to it, really, and you're just sitting there absorbing what you can and interjecting when you can but really you're not an active participant in in this
0: interesting and cool conversation exactly um and like i think one of the the the, the real things of this for me the thing that stuck with me is like how it has like this particular cadence to it so the book has this like familiar rhythm um and the way the, the the rhythm plays through the book and the story that it's telling with like this um this compulsion kind of thing. Um, This mu, this demonic music is like the the rhythm that we see when we look at the lives of some of the greatest artists, musical or otherwise, like the harmonies of tragedy, as it were, Hmm. like played out through this book. Like that's kind of like where it, it kind of like spoke to me as well in that way. Like this is what drives people off the cliff Kind of thing, maybe. I, I don't know, like a meditation on that, on like how... Yeah, no,
1: I, I definitely. I, yeah. De- I can definitely see that in
0: there. Yeah. Um, and I just just really enjoyed it start to finish. I, I thought it was brilliant. And I... Like, I've never been one to sit and listen to jazz um, too often. But I think this book actually gave me a renewed appreciation for jazz, in a way. <laughs> So it got me going back and listening to stuff again which is cool. Yeah, um, I think I think yeah.
1: um jazz is like such a uh, a mood based uh like style of music um and I think it's one that uh there's, there's something sort of organic to it uh, even to the listening of it. That I think that it it's always good. I mean, unless you're like a big jazz head and like since you know, you grew up with jazz um, and you've been listening to jazz your whole life. But I I think that there's a phenomena that I noticed when I was in my twenties about people I knew who in their thirties who were all sort of like almost became a cliche of like dudes in their thirties like rediscovering or discovering jazz and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, I am. Um, Obviously, like an element of it was like at the time the whole hipster thing, but I I think there's an actual real thing to it where, um, I think after like decades of listening to what you've been listening to, and this is the the you in the general, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I think the reason why jazz has um, stayed relevant and uh, evolved throughout the decades but to to the degree that the older recordings are are still uh, still gospel um is that it it as a form of like expression it, it i don't know it seems quite pure I, I'm not trying to sound like some music writer because I don't know how, anyway how to talk about music and i don't <laughs> I know, even le- it, despite I'm someone who's like really into my music as you are, I'm, I'm even less like au fait with my like micro genres and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, my, just my like observation of, of why jazz pop becomes, becomes relevant again if you've not been with it the whole time uh, when you hit your 30s. I think there's just a thing about it where you're like people seem to be looking. Um, or like in the right headspace or like mood space mm. to uh, have a, a form of like music that feels like pure creation. It's 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 hard to talk about as you can yeah. as you can see, uh, tell from me uh, I, bumbling I over think, it.
0: I think what it is as well. It may come down to something slightly simpler than that. To a fact that very likely, the, very likely. Like, in 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 the way this book shows, in in the way that this book kind of like pulls open the ribcage of and lays bare across the pages, like jazz is a musical genre where you have to. I mean, there's even a quote in the book about having to have lived it. Hmm. Um. But like to having to have lived it to play it, or or something along those lines. I believe I don't want to. Um. But it. Um. You have to have lived a certain maybe you have to have lived a certain a certain amount to appreciate what is going into that music when these people are making that music because there's a lot of feelings and a lot of um a lot of energy that goes into creating when these people create jazz a lot of like raw emotion goes into that and maybe you can't connect with that unless you've experienced that and when you're in your thirties, you're at a point where you have experienced enough to start to appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no, that that's definitely um, definitely on point. Yeah, because I, I, fi- I like I find that with like revisiting like certain movies or like um, TV shows or whatever. And uh, mm. when you're in your edgy teens, it's like the emotional stuff doesn't hit you at all. And then when you're in your like mid-twenties where you're probably still a bit edgy but you're more like the world's dumb and i understand the world better than anyone else like these dumb adults how how how, how do they not understand the world yeah. um, you're still a bit more closed up to it and then you get a bit older and you're um, more confident with like letting your emotions do their thing then you watch that same movie again and you're just bawling. And you're like, why is this affecting me? What's going yep. on? And I, I and think that's part of the process.
0: Exactly, yeah. And then at night, you go to bed after watching that movie and you lie there awake and you're like, why did I waste all my time being an edgelord for 20 minutes?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why didn't I just engage with this stuff when I was younger? Yeah,
0: but... yeah. Why didn't Why didn't I be a fully formed human? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, it's all part of the process. and like with but, this book, That's it, yeah. It, I think it does speak to... Uh, like a process and um, a sort of natural or unnatural progression um, and how your wants and needs at an earlier age will, may not necessarily reflect, reflect your wants and needs at an, at an older age.
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, and I guess that wraps us up, doesn't it? Uh, for uh, Blue and Green. So that is Blue and Green and that is a st- stellar piece of um stellar piece of work a really really great graphic novel really great comic
1: yeah i just just want to add like um like it, like i was saying before i think everything does work in concert and i think like the the structure the color the storytelling the pacing all of that stuff works really well to tell this like cohesive and a solid story uh from beginning to end and it's um it's a it is a, it is a page turner. It, it is not something that you're looking for routes out, so you can like um, uh, sort of procrastinate between ch- uh, quote unquote chapters or whatever. This this is a thing where you're just sitting there and you're just going because you, you you you're you're kind you, I guess you're kind of going going down the spiral as well, but you're also you want to see more of this world and, and see how, how Eric and the other characters around are going to react to certain things. And you want to mm. get more of a sense of what's real and, and, uh, and, and what it's not. And I think that it's just a good package. And it's always nice when uh, we're always grateful to be in a position where we're getting uh, like creators and publishers um, sending us preview copies. But it, it's, it's always nice when you're sent something and it works and connects with you on such a level where you're like, um, like, I would oh, I would buy this again type thing. Where it's not yeah. like, it, it's, it's not a thing of like, oh, it's going to be hard to talk about this one. And uh, instead it's the thing of like, how do I temper my uh, <laughs> excitement with it so that yeah. we don't sound like shells Because it, how- it generally is really... Uh, well-thought-out and well-executed uh book
0: exactly yeah i mean like it, it this is this is genuine genuine love for work here it's not like um you know it's not like we're under any kind of uh like um duress or anything when we're <laughs> saying this it's a fantastic book it really is um and yeah it's like like you're saying it's like how do i how do I temper it so that I'm not spending the entire hour and a half talking about it it's like and that's the
1: thing like li- listeners to to the show who've listened to previous episodes know that uh, we and especially like you and rahul were like marks for like ramvi's work like he 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 don't miss uh, yeah and uh, it, it's 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 really nice that um like like he still don't miss so it, it's yeah. still quite nice to to get like new books especially with all that's like going on this year and exactly like everyone's heard me lamenting issue ones and da, 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 like you know like my heart lives with the graphic novel or the quote-unquote yeah. well, quote, graphic novel and uh like it's just nice to get that and get this, this great story um yeah. and uh, one that treats its characters as like like people uh and uh, yeah no it's 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 really good and i highly recommend it
0: yeah definitely Um, it's a great book, you should pick it up Um, and I guess that brings us to an end for the uh, reviews this episode Um, so what we're going to do now is we are going to run through the pull list so um, pull list uh, for October 28th, we've got um, Blue and Green, which is out October 28th, check it out Uh, we've got uh, Batman 3 Jokers number 3 which is the penultimate part Penultimate means end, right? I'm I'm something in my mind says it means one before end.
1: Uh there's something in your mind is correct. It's the one yeah. before Yeah, So
0: it's not it's not penultimate, then it's the ultimate. It's the end. Yes. <laughs> Batman three jokers, number three, is the ultimate part of Batman Three Jokers. So if you've been following it, that's your end piece. Check that out. Uh we've got um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Row Number One, which is um something I've been very excited about and I will talk about uh in the next episode. Um it's Kevin Eastman returning to Turtles, um, and it's a story that's been in the works for years and years and years and years. And, years, and we're all very excited about it as Turtles fans. Yes, uh, we have the Autumnal Number Two, which we've talked about the Autumnal on previous episode. Go check it out; fantastic book, great for this time of year. Um, it's in the name. Uh, we've got X Ray Robot Number Three and uh, Giga Number One is out uh, October twenty eighth as well. So make sure you check that out. That has glow in the dark colors now, covers now. Which uh, mm. I've seen around. I've seen like knocking. I've seen tweets about it. Did uh, they, they do these glow in the dark covers for it now? Like this really awesome cover set. Um, it's an exclusive to an American comic store, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of saddens me slightly because it means that the the shipping just makes it unviable for me. <laughs> which... yeah, and I, I
1: hate, like, like, yeah, I hate like store specific exclusives. Yeah, I hated that with like games and DVDs. just it does my head in.
0: Yeah. It's sad Greg time because he can't <laughs> have his glow in the dark Giga cover because the shipping is just like, Oh, oh. but yeah, no great book. Uh, you should check it out. We talked about that. We previewed that book actually, um, two episodes ago, episode called Yakolites, uh, episode 97, I believe. Um, we have coming up as well, Uh, this is November 4th. So, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Batman Hush. So, more Tales from the Dark Multiverse. Uh, remember, like, way back when, when we had Marv on talk about Tales of the Dark Multiverse? (laughs) (laughs) It's more Tales of the Dark Multiverse. This time, something, something, Batman Hush. Um, does Hush become Batman? Does Batman become Hush? Are bandages involved? Is there a cowl made of bandages? Um... Yeah, I want to read it. <laughs> 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 That's all I've got to say about that one. Uh, I'm longer, uh, we've got uh, Crossover number 1, which is an interesting-looking new book from Image. Um, it, it looks great. We've, uh, we've, we've, there's been a lot of noise about that on Twitter and things. It's, um, it, it looks like it will blow your mind, so you should check that out. got Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, which I feel like I've mentioned previously on this cast somewhere, or I've talked about it to someone somewhere before. Black and white Wolverine comic. Maybe I might have sent you an article about it or something. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm going to check that out. We've got Origins, number one. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica 2, number one. So this is Jenica getting... Because the the first one was such a success, we're getting another second uh, miniseries purely devoted to Jenica, the latest turtle on the block. Um, We have Hellstrom, Marvel Tales, number one, which is uh, an anthology book. Um... And uh, I'm, I'm interested to check that out. Uh, and we have Scare and Hood number one, which is something that fan- sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, read um, ghost hunters that are also parents that drop their kids off to school and go to the woods to hunt ghosts. Something like that. So it's like juggling being a parent and a ghostbuster at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I'm down with. Uh, I'm going to check that out. Um, so yeah, all of this sounds very interesting, um, and this will be stuff that we will talk about on subsequent episodes, so that has been ace comicals episode number ninety nine can you believe there's ninety nine of these things there's gonna be a hundred soon yeah, hit the, the right? big big one hundred the big three uh three digits <laughs> um but yeah so this is ace comicals ninety nine uh you can find us at ace com, which is kind of the hub for everything we do you can find us on twitter under at ace comicals which is where we are most active get in touch uh shoot us a dm at us send us an email um you can send us an email to ace comicals at gmail.com um you can find me on twitter under at Bato, that's b-a-t-t-o-u again at me uh get involved in the conversation if you uh, you can dm me if you're um into if you have seen, if you want to join the conversation about the comics that we've talked about here today or if if you want to you know suggest something for us to read and talk about then go ahead just tell us uh if you think we ought to read it tell us and we'll, we'll read it and we'll, we'll we'll talk about it we'll tell you what we think um, leon where can we find you
1: you can find me on twitter at leon uh, ever and uh, to uh, like uh, a sizable chunk of our audience is American. And I know you don't want a shepherd's pie eating limey telling you what to do, but please, please vote. Please vote. Like it's next week, that, please vote. Please it should
0: vote. be a threat. It should be please vote or we will give you shepherd's pie. Because... Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will drop shepherd's pie in oil cities.
0: If you... you see this, that's, that's the other thing. See, they always make, they always make shepherd's pie sound awesome in the like sound like something you want to eat in these shows when they reference shepherd's pie, but it's not. It's, it's all right. <laughs> it's boring, man. It's, it's just boring. mashed potato. It's mashed potato on mince and gravy.
1: Yeah. And all those things are nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a low. I, it's hassle nice, food. but it's, it's yeah. Yeah. Low, low hassle food, but I just don't understand the obsession with it to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it's beyond me, but uh, yeah. that's the, that's the threat guys. Like, Please vote. Yeah. Please vote. Please. Yeah, please, please vote. vote. Please. We're begging you from here in, yeah. in, in, uh, in England where we do not have the same uh, op- opportunity you guys have at the moment. We won't have yeah. for quite a while. So so please, please vote. Please.
0: You have a chance to change things without getting back in a time, without getting in a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, do it, please. But yeah, uh, so that is Ace Comicals number 99. That is Ace Comicals over and out.